You're listening to audio from Crossroads Community Church, located in Fogelsville, Pennsylvania. If you want to learn more about C3 and what it is about, you can visit us at c3lehigh.com. And now, for today's sermon. Well, good morning, church. So good to see you. Everybody have a good Christmas. Yeah, tell your faces, smile. Come on now, there we go. Hey, I also want to welcome this morning our live stream audience. We received a lot of notifications that there are going to be those from this church that will be joining us via online. So can we just welcome our live stream audience? Can you do that for me? Let's just welcome them. So good to have you. Ready or not, here comes 2021. The future is about to be the present. Are you all ready? How many of you are like me? You're a little bit skeptical about 2021 right? On Christmas Eve, I expressed this and I still stand by it. I hear so much hope uh, from individuals saying, I can't wait for a new year. I'm so ready for 2020 to be done. And as I mentioned, I'm just a little bit skeptical, all right? Just if we were to judge this year's um, track record, we'll just put it that way, I uh, have a little bit of faith in 2021. But here's what I do know is that when we least expect it is when God often moves, And so no matter what 2021 holds, I'm trusting that God is still going to grow his church. Amen. And so as we approach this time of the year, obviously our culture right now is posturing itself for the future. There's many goals that are being set right now. I know there's there's parents who they're talking about developmental uh, uh, goals for themselves to be better parents. I know some people, uh, typically at this time of the year, there's adults that, that I come in contact with where they talk to me and they say, you know what, um, I think I'm going to start taking some college classes. And so they have academic goals. And there's, then there's those, those other goals of, of just trying to make it through the next year. You know what I mean? And so uh, everybody right now in our culture is posturing themselves for the future. And I, I just have to ask the question, how are we posturing ourselves as the church? How are we preparing ourselves for what is yet to come? Because the reality is, is that God sees the past, the present, and the future simultaneously. It's one of those thoughts that will give you a headache if you hang out there too long. Sees the past, the present, and the future simultaneously. So it's not a matter of if God has plans for the future. It's a matter of us posturing ourselves so that we can eventually line up with what he's doing. Is this making sense? And so over the next couple of weeks, especially throughout January, we're going to be uh, talking about the vision for this church in 2021. Uh, over the past year and some change, myself and a few of our church leaders have gone through a program called Acts 2 Journey, uh, which I plan on explaining in the weeks to come. But basically, in a nutshell, uh, uh, Acts 2 Journey is really an assessment course, just like if there were CEOs and businesses who were to have a a consultant come in and analyze where our weak points, our strong points, what do we need to stop doing? What do we need to start doing? What do we need to focus on? What are we uh, focusing on that isn't effective that we might be more effective? And many of those questions are answered throughout Acts Journey, uh, excuse me, Acts 2 Journey. It's a lot to say. Bear with me. Acts 2 Journey. Say it a couple times. It's fun. Acts 2 journey. Uh, My point in saying this is myself and some of the leadership have developed a strategic plan for 2021. And obviously, I also want to say this because sometimes when you start talking about business models in a church context, people are like, so what, you're just going to strategize Jesus out of the house? No. Uh, We recognize that this plan is frivolous and pointless if it's not all about God. Oh, come on, people. You're staring at me. Y'all look great this morning, but you need to smile. My goodness. I'm a holler back kind of preacher. You can't be quiet on me. I'll shut down, all right? So can I hear an amen this morning, church? Woo! Claudia, make sure the coffee has espresso in it next week, all right? My goodness. So we're posturing ourselves for the future. What does God have in store? But, but the reality is, is that we have to prepare ourselves for the future if we're going to be a part of his future plans. We have to posture ourselves. So I want to answer the question with four points this morning. I want to, I want to answer the question on how 
do we prepare ourselves for what God is going to do? How do we posture ourselves? How do we prepare for what he's going to do so that we can, so that we can line up with it? I, I, know, I don't know about you, but um, I've, I've missed movements of God in my life where I didn't sign up for a missions trip or I didn't go on some kind of inner city outreach or I wasn't a part of some kind of church program happening on a certain Sunday growing up. And I, you can miss it. And I don't know about you, but if God is doing something extravagant, I want to be a part of it. Can I hear an Amen. So how do we posture ourselves? How do we, how do we prepare for God's future? Well, first is this. Recognize that God has a mission, and his plan is to use the church to fulfill that mission. Recognize that God has a mission, and his plan in accomplishing this mission is to use the local church. We often look at the local church as a place that we, we go to, we attend, we have activities, but I want us to grasp the concept that God has this extravagant plan to go into all the world, preach the good news, not just make converts, but make disciples. Can I hear an amen? And his plan on, on accomplishing this extravagant strategic plan on seeing this plan come to fulfillment is us then we get to be a part of what he's doing. And when he says, go into, go into all the world and preach the good news, he's, he's talking to you and I. He's talking to the local church. And if you haven't grasped this concept yet, the church is not these four walls. The church is you and I. God has a mission. If we're going to be a part of his plan, we first have to recognize he has a plan. Have you ever met somebody who just flies by the seat of their pants throughout their entire life? Some of y'all married him or her. Have you ever just had those spontaneous moments in your life where you do something that isn't planned, isn't scheduled? Isn't it terrifying? I'm the type of person I take comfort in having plans and organization. I like it. My wife, she loves organizing things. That's a part of why I love her. God has a plan. He has a mission. And if you and I want to be a part of what he's going to do, we have to first recognize that he's going to do something. And I know that that sounds so basic, right? That sounds like almost borderline common sense, which I like the way that Dave Ramsey said it. Common sense is so rare nowadays, it should be considered a superpower. <laughs> but God's, God's going to do something. God's going to do something, and I want to be a part of it. It's going to say something else, but I want, I want to drive home that point. In a day and age where all I hear is reports of negativity and what could God possibly do in this nation is going to hell in a handbag kind of talk. I sit there and I go, have you, I just asked the question, have you read the Bible? Because in the most unprecedented times is most often when God moves. And I'm looking at 2021 and I'm saying, God... I believe that you're going to show up in an extravagant way. And I just hope that the church isn't pushing you out the doors before we even have an opportunity to invite you in and share you with others. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 12 through 14 says this, Just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form the one body, whether Jew or Gentile, slave or free, and we were all given to the one spirit to drink of. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Here's my point in speaking about this scripture this morning. Here's, here's my point. The church is God's hands. The church is God's mouth. The church is God's feet in the world around us. We are the body of Christ. I want to say that again. When we look at the church, we have to recognize that the church was intended to be the hands, feet, and mouthpiece of Jesus. We are to behave in such a manner that it's like he never ascended into heaven. We're supposed to conduct ourselves in a manner where we take on his mission in such a holy perfect way that we do everything that he did and everything that he said to do, we do. Is this making sense? 
His plan is to use the church and the world around us. It is assumed that we are to be doing things that Jesus Christ would do if he were physically still here on earth. That's why Jesus showed us how to do ministry for around 30 years. And so that when he ascended into heaven, the world wouldn't be tossed aside, but the world would be reached through the local church. Recognize that God has a plan to reach the world and he wants to use the local church to accomplish this plan. God is going to do something. I don't know if you've realized that or not, but I look around at culture and I see a culture that is desperate and striving for hope. I look around and I see a culture that is broken and heavy and anxious and I just stand there and I can't help but smile and say, I know the God of peace. I look at a broken system and I say, I know the one who can fix that. Because in three days, he changed the world as we know it. Even the historical timeline, B.C. to A.D., he changed everything. Friend, I cannot be the only person in this church, if we want to see God moves, who believes that he's going to move. Come on, somebody. Thank you. Come on, somebody. Can we get a little bit excited and believe that God is going to do something? I don't know what has been coming out of your heart, but the Bible says that what we speak reveals a heart about us. So if we're walking around the world saying, this is hopeless, this is broken, this is hopeless, this is broken. I like the way that President Teddy Roosevelt said it when he said, complaining without offering a solution is called whining. We have the solution. Take heart, take hope in what Jesus has and what is yet to come. Because my God is a God who shows up often when it's least expected. How do we prepare for God's future? Obviously, we have to recognize that he has a plan for the future. Secondly, we must live with a faith-filled expectancy. We must not only recognize and believe that he's going to do something, but have faith-like expectancy that what he said he's going to do, he is indeed going to do. Isaiah chapter 54, verse 2 through 3 says this, Enlarge the place of your tent. Stretch your tent curtains wide. Do not hold back. Lengthen your cords. Strengthen your stakes. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. Your descendants will dispose of nations and settle in their desolate cities. Allow me to paraphrase with you this morning, church. Isaiah 54 verse 2 says this, expect great things. Isaiah chapter 54 verse 3 says this, God is going to do something big. Faith-filled expectancy means that our vision for the future is bigger than our memories of the past. When you and I have faith-filled expectancy, it means that our vision for the future is bigger and greater than our memories of the past. The worst thing that we could do, and I've got to admit, I've been guilty of this, looking on the past as the good old days. Anybody else in here? And I'm not denying that they really were good. They really were better than 2020. I acknowledge that. I'm not saying that, you know, you have blind like faith where you're like, everything's great. Nobody's going to believe that. Faith, as we've said before, recognizes the challenge and says, my God's bigger. It does not deny the challenge. Can you imagine if David was like, there's no giant? Horrible story. (laughs) God's going to do great things. And if we believe that God is going to do great things in front of us, We must believe that he has greater things ahead of us than what he's done in the past. One of my favorite songs to listen to recently, the lyrics talk about, Grandpa, tell me about the good old days. Tell me about when people were true to their word. Tell me about when marriages came together and they truly meant forever. And as the lyrics go on, I sit there and I, and I, I got to admit, the Holy Spirit convicted me one day and just said, stop it. I have greater things ahead. And then the thought started to settle in my heart. Have I limited God? Because I look back and see everything that was done through past revivals that have formed and shaped this nation. Have I fallen into this thought process of saying he can't do it again? We're too far gone. Friends, that's not faith-filled expectancy. 
That's not the kind of body of Christ that looks. And in the midst of COVID, in the midst of, of various shutdowns, that's not the kind of body that, that stands there. It doesn't line up with the body that we're called to be where it says, get ready to enlarge in the tent. Get ready because God has more. Get ready because God is going to do something. Get ready. That's the kind of faith-filled expectancy that you and I are called to conduct ourselves, to live our lives with, is that faith-filled expectancy that says, I have a bigger vision for the future because I have a big God. Come on, somebody. I look around at the growth of our church over the past year, and I'm just blown away. I'm blown away at the, at the if some of, so there's even some new faces here this morning. And it is so good to have you. And I hope that this ends up being your, your home church. But I'm so blown away at not only the numbers, but the reason why I mention numbers is because every number is a life and every life is a testimony. And the testimonies that I hear on a weekly basis of individuals who have had an encounter moment with Jesus... And I sit there, and it's the most beautiful thing, and I'm so thankful, but I also have to recognize God has more. Amen. Thanks, Bill. <laughs> God has more. I look at the local neighborhoods in our area, in our backyard, across the street, and I see the playground sets, and I say, those are families that need to be one. I look around at Fogelsville, at the various business owners, and I say, those are people that we've got to build relationships with. I look at statistics like in the Lehigh County. I have a soft um, spot in my, hot, uh, my heart for, for veterans. If you're a veteran, I, I just there's a soft spot in my heart for veterans. Um, I've never served. I've had friends who have served. And I look at statistics about Lehigh County and how there's 20,000 plus veterans in our backyard. And I sit there and I go, Lord, help us do an outreach in 2021 where we can just show honor and love to our veterans. But I look and I say, I, I believe that God has more ahead of us because, because of his track record of faithfulness. I see a starving culture, and I know that Jesus can satisfy it. God has more. We, we must recognize that God has more ahead of us. One of the greatest sins taking place in the modern church of today is thinking too little of God. He's the God who parted waters. He's the God who conquers and conquered giants. He's the God who conquered graves. His truth was assaulted and attempted to be silenced, and he proved that to be a frivolous, pointless attempt. He's the God that can forgive sins, that, can, that nations cannot keep him out or hold him down, no matter whether they claim the title closed nation to Christianity or open, God is still getting in. He will not be stopped. He cannot be challenged. He cannot be bought. He cannot be slowed down. His will is going to happen whether you like it or not. God is still big. He's still ahead of us. And if he is the God who is never changing, he's the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow, then friends, that means that here in 2020, we are still serving the God that I just described. Our character and our belief and what we profess must align with what we claim. Can I hear an amen? amen. How do we prepare for the future? How do we prepare for God's future? Number three, we give today in order to prepare for tomorrow. We give today in order to prepare for tomorrow. What you do today, how you prepare yourself today for tomorrow, will often determine the kind of tomorrow that you experience. Did you follow that? It's kind of like there's various authors that I, I've just fallen in love with their, their books, but there's one specifically, one book that I constantly go back and read, and it's called Extreme Ownership by a Navy SEAL, Jocko Willing. Thanks, Bill. I knew that I'd give one witness. And so, and so Jocko, he, he's, he's, and I say this with love, he's a freak. I mean, this individual gets up at 4.30 a.m. every day. By the time he is finished with his morning routine, the rest of the world is waking up. And he's this individual that just has drive. And one of the things that's so impressive, though, is 
The night before the next day, he prepares all of his stuff. Lays out gym clothes, has his workout routine there, has even his fruits and stuff down in the blender, down in the kitchen, so that all he has to do is walk downstairs, hit the on button, and bam, there it is. He goes to great lengths to prepare for tomorrow. We should be doing the same in a spiritual sense. If you and I hope to see a better future, a better tomorrow, then we must give today in order to prepare for tomorrow. The New Testament has a common theme of giving. I didn't say tithing, I said giving. Because in our nation, those two have been confused. Often tithing is the result of a giving heart. It's not about the tithe, it's about the heart. And so we look through the New Testament and there is a evident theme of giving. Giving ourselves, giving our time, giving our finances, giving our passion. The New Testament church radically impacted the world around them because they had this trait. They gave. And if you and I are going to impact tomorrow, we must give today. As a matter of fact, many of you are here today as the result of people who gave before us. The very seats that you're sitting on are the result of an offering, are the result of tithing, are the result of giving. As a matter of fact, a result of giving, are, during COVID, some of you know this story, right before COVID hit the first round, not the second round, the first round back in January when they were telling us two weeks to flatten the curve. I'm sorry, I shouldn't. I, I thought it should have hit the pause button. A few weeks before the great COVID shutdown of 2020, our cameras broke here at the church. And our outstanding media director, Lee, ordered in some awesome equipment, which we were able to do because of your faithful giving. And I want you to, I, I just got to brag on God for a moment. For those of you who aren't familiar with like the church context, obviously media is necessary, but COVID made it imperative if you want to continue to do ministry. So our cameras break a couple weeks before COVID and it was frustrating and a headache. I'll just leave it at that. And so we order our equipment and not only does it come in like right before the great COVID shutdown, but a few weeks into COVID, for those of you who don't know, media equipment was just bought up and gone, kind of like ammo. <laughs> gone. You hear stories about it existing, it doesn't. And so in regards to the camera equipment, God provided before we even knew it. And so here we are, like, weeks into COVID and we're able to, to have live stream and Mike's coming in and leading worship and, and our digital media department is just killing it and providing faithfully weekly services and content and Bible studies. And I just have to brag on you as a congregation, we were able to do that because of your faithfulness, because of your heart of giving. A part of the reason why we've been able to stay open this entire time is a result of your giving. A part of the reason why I am confident in saying that right now we have little disciples being made is because we were able to purchase curriculum as a result of giving hearts. I look at the, the, the lobby area and I look forward to the renovation that's coming to this room, but I look at the lobby and I go, it looks great, it looks awesome, and that's the result of not only giving in finances, but men who came in here and gave their time, their talents, and their passion. And I look around and, and I just go, my, my goodness, we are standing in a place where we have a better future because somebody gave yesterday. So how much more important is, friend, please don't complain to me about the culture if we haven't sowed seeds to see culture changed. In the future, I see us, it's come to my attention, we need a bigger parking area. Praise God. But I look at these different projects in 2021 that I believe God wants to do and wants to bring here at C3 Church, and I am so excited. Will you join me in having faith-filled expectancy?
will you make a promise to me today that in 2021, that you're going to make it a part of your prayer priority to have faith-filled expectancy that God's going to do it again. That what he did generations ago, he's going to do it again. That what God did in the New Testament church when there's an outflow of the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and I love the way that scripture just casually says, and 3,000 were added to them that, that day. I'm like, that's a good worship service. <laughs> if you sit out with like a couple people, you go into the streets and you start preaching and professing and then people are speaking in tongues and getting baptized in the Holy Spirit and saved and there's all these things that are happening. I'm going to be like posting that on every social media outlet with like every gift you can imagine. It's just casually in 3,000 were added to them today. God's going to do it again. I said, God's going to do it again faith-filled expectancy. Church, we can't just claim to believe things. We must behave in a manner that validates what we speak. Our actions must align with what we say. How do we prepare for God's future? And I'm going to ask our keyboard player if you'd come, Leah. Thank you. Normally, I'd say worship team, but you know, COVID. So, yeah. How do we prepare for God's future? We do all that we can now. So, we've talked about giving. I want to talk about actions. It's not enough to just recognize that God is going to do great things, but we must realize that He has called us to be a part of those great things. We can't simply step back and say, God's going to do it and have no action plan. That's like showing up and saying, tomorrow's going to be a better day, but we're doing nothing today for a better tomorrow. He's called us to not only recognize his work, but he's called us to put on our work gloves and be a part of what he's doing. Years ago, I caught on to this theme in the, in the church at large in America, and it, it was this theme of the church using prayer as a license to excuse themselves from action. And I started noticing it. I'm a pastor's kid, and, and so um, ministry is all I've ever known. And I remember watching my, my dad kind of ask somebody, hey, would you like to serve in? And you fill in the blank. And their immediate response, I'll pray about it. I was a little boy, and I knew that they were lying. I was sitting there and I'm like, yep, you're not, gonna, you're not even going to think about it, let alone pray about it. And I think that that was a surface level of a spiritual bad habit, we'll call it that, that the church fell into. Where somewhere along the lines, we believe that if we just prayed about it, that there was no reason to act on it. And friend, that's, that's biblical heresy. That's religion. I'm not about religion, I'm about relationship. There is a vast difference between those two things. We cannot be the kind of church that just looks at culture and says, I'll pray over it. The two must go hand in hand. Pray on it like it has nothing to do with you and act like it has everything to do with you. How do we prepare for tomorrow? We do all that we can now. Ephesians chapter two, verse 10 says this, for we are his workmanship. Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has already prepared beforehand, that we should just walk in them. It's not a matter of if he has something that, that you're called to do. It's a matter of if you will walk in his already existing plan. God's prepared something beforehand, which means that we are called to work now and catch up to what he's doing. And I promise you, years from now, you'll look back and it'll make sense. But until that point, you and I are called to step out in faith and act on what he's calling us to do. Your actions now will also reflect what you expect in the future. Your actions here and now. Dad's in the room. You're, the, you're statistically, you're the most influential person in your household. That's just statistics. Statistics say that 
if the kids come to to know Jesus and the parents don't, that the parents have like a 10% chance of coming to know the Lord. If mom gets saved and tells the family about Jesus, then there's somewhere around like a 50 or 60% chance that the family will come to know Jesus. But if dad gets saved, there is a 95% chance that the family will be saved, will come to know Jesus. Dads, you matter. And your actions, dad, are reflecting how you perceive the future. So if there's no inaction, it's just kind of day-to-day, eh, whatever, then your kids are going to pick up on that. But if you have a faith-filled expectancy, come on, somebody, it changes the home. It changes your kids' lives. It changes your grandchildren. And by just having faith-filled expectancy, you have already impacted the future. Well, pastor, what do we exact, what, what do we do now? How do we prepare for tomorrow? What, what do we do now if we're going to have faith-filled expectancy? What are some things that we should be doing now? Well, first, pray. Don't just pray. Plan to have action, but pray. Here's the reality. Prayer is how God just pours his anointing and his wisdom and his empowerment on you. If you aren't praying, then friend, you're walking through life according to your own power, which is useless. Prayer is the gateway to to have wisdom that that goes beyond ourselves. And I don't know if you've ever had a moment like this, but when God gives you wisdom, it is so cool. Because what ends up happening is somebody will challenge you or ask you a question or or there'll be a difficult circumstance and, and all of a sudden you have this thought process that is way beyond your intellectual ability. And that's the Holy Spirit speaking to your heart and giving you wisdom. It's beautiful. I can't tell you how many times I've walked off this platform and I was like, if people only knew that that was the Holy Spirit because it just was, I can't produce those thoughts. And so it is, and you and I, when we're going through life, and my point is this, you need prayer. You need to be praying. I've heard Christians talk about how we need prayer back in schools and how we need prayer. And I say, no, 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 culture is often the reflection of the church. We need prayer in church. Pray. Prayer matters. We can plan and prepare and strategize all day long. But if we don't have God leading the way with his supernatural empowerment and the empowerment of the Holy Spirit, it doesn't matter. Somewhere along the lines in the church of America, we've, we've gone off this path believing that, that God can be limited to formulas and protocols. That if we all just do this, if we all just follow this formula of the modern day church, that you're going to see successful fruit. You're going to see growth. And friend, I'm here to tell you this morning that God cannot be limited to a formula. It takes prayer. Honest prayer. He's got to be a part of plans and strategies. Call on God. Ask him for wisdom because he's faithful to give it. What should we start doing so that we can see God's future come to pass? Secondly, seek to grow and bear fruit in your life. The reality is, is that as God moves in your life, he moves in the church. It's just the chain reaction. When you're experiencing a movement of God in your devotional life and you're praying and you're seeking after him and you're seeking those deep truths. And can I tell you that biblical deep truths, we all like to stand here and say, oh yeah, you know, that's a deep truth. But what we're really saying is that truth kind of stung. That's a truth that pointed out a flaw in my life. That's a truth that challenged a behavior of mine and it stings and it's not easy. But I promise you, you look back for years from now and you say, thank God for his loving correction." You and I, if we want to see culture changed, it's like Mark Batterson said, draw a circle around yourself and say, God, may revival start within this circle first. We have to desire to bear fruit. We have to seek to bear spiritual in-depth 
fruit. That's just that, let me, let me clear it up for those of you who might not come from a church background. When we say bear fruit, it simply means grow in our relationship with Jesus Christ. What should we start doing so that we can see God's future come to pass? Serve. You serve. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 27 says this, Now you are the body of Christ, and each of you is a part of it. God has made us as his church, his hands, his feet, his mouthpiece. It is assumed that once you become a follower of Christ, scripturally, it is assumed that once you become a follower of Christ, that you serve. There must be a transition that takes place in the life of a believer and in the life of a church in America where we transition from consumers to producers. Once again, somewhere along the lines in American church history, we got off the biblical path. And we started this weird belief that says, I'll serve the body of Christ when I have it all together. I say this with love, you're never going to have it all together. It's never gonna happen. If you wait to, to scan that ticket, your flight's gonna leave you. I mean, it's just that simple. We must transition in America from consumers to producers. It means that you and I desire to put more in this world than we desire to take from it, which is very difficult for us as Americans. I'm American proud, I'm a patriot, but I've been on enough mission trips to realize how spoiled we are. And this cultural concept of it's all about me, consumers, we have the iPhone, the iPad, the me, me, me. We have to transition to a place where we say, it's not about me, it's about him. We have to transition to that place where we say, it's about the next generation. We have to transition to a place where we say, it's about those kids downstairs. The reality is, is that I'm here today serving as the lead pastor at C3 Church because of a generation of producers who invested in my life. I have two, what I'm convinced of the world's greatest, most incredible parents, absolutely huge amount of credit goes to them. But there's also a large amount of credit that goes to the church that I grew up in. Where out of people serving on a weekly basis, they invested in my life. To this day, I don't think they realize how much they invested into my life. I think back to individuals, just crazy testimonies happening where there's this guy who was going to our church who was a FedEx driver and a couple you know, years into his church experience, served on the board, drove FedEx, you know, had no ministry background and all of a sudden like he gets asked and challenged to start serving in our kids ministry, right? And so kids ministry at that time was probably running 40, 50, 60 kids and so he starts helping with kids ministry and something started in Sam's life. Something ignited in his heart where he not he he transitioned from like I'm here on Sunday to survive kids ministry. He transitioned from that to let's reach these kids. Let's invest in these kids and as the years go by he continues to not only serve more and more and more and invest himself into this kids ministry but Sam actually starts to fall away from being a FedEx driver and starts falling into full-time ministry so much so that he went and got his credentials to be a pastor. And Sam had so many illustrations that still to this day, I can remember, you know, we lived near West Virginia at this time. And so um, we all made fun of ourselves. Uh, Hillbilly was the cultural context. And I'll never forget on Mission Sundays, whenever Sam would come in, he was an adult, uh, probably five foot eight, five foot nine guy who would come in on a kid's little John Deere tractor. And Sam would come pedaling into this classroom and in the back of his tractor was something called a buddy barrel. It's where kids raised missions for 
uh, funds for missions and there was this missionary focus, I still to this day remember every piece of this service because Sam transitioned from a consumer to a producer and now I'm here as a pastor because of him. think of people, one individual by the name of Bernie Ricosi, who gave this illustration that changed my life as a kid, where he had this chocolate covered what we thought was an apple, and Bernie starts talking about sin in our lives, and I was, must have been four, five, six years old, and Bernie's giving this illustration and talking about this chocolate covered apple, and he talks about how it's kind of like sin, and it looks so good, and he bites into it, and it was an onion. I'll never forget that. And even into high school and college, I remember this illustration in the midst of temptation. I remember this silly little illustration. I'm here today because of of rural ranger leaders in my life. One being my uncle, Uncle Bruce, and a few individuals uh, named Rocco. And I could go down the list of people, men, adult men, who who head up this, this program that kind of fed to my outdoor side as well. But we did different service projects and Bible studies. But you know what meant the most to me is on Wednesday nights, it was a boys-only kind of ministry, which, by the way, parents are boys need all the prayers that you can give. There's a reason why statistically for every five suicides, four are males. Because we're trying to stop males from growing into who God has called them to be. It's a sermon for another day. And I remember being in this culture of boys just being boys. And yeah, there was rough housing and whatnot, but I remember having so much fun. And I just want to say this. There's also this weird belief that if you're playing games and stuff in your kids' ministry, then you're not biblical. Can I tell you that our kids need to learn the lesson that fun isn't just found in the world? Come on, somebody. Our kids need to learn the lesson that being a part of the body of Christ is fun into itself. They need to have outlets that they can invest in. And I'm so proud to say that I am not only here because of people who serve, but I trust that the children downstairs are growing into disciples because of serving people here. But I just want to be candid and upfront with you this morning. Our kids' ministry needs help right now. There There have been some Sundays where we have come this close to having to shut down kids' ministry on a Sunday. Why? Because often as the body of Christ, we want fruit now, right? I've been through enough drive throughs that I know how this works. I order, I want. I get big. But that's the difficult thing about kids' ministry is you plant a lot more seeds than what you see as far as fruit growing from it. But I'm telling you now, That kids ministry that I grew up in grew from 60 to 70 to 80 to 90 and soon was running between 120 and 150 kids on a weekly basis. And out of the kids that were around the same age group today, some of them are missionaries. Some of them are godly doctors and nurses. Some of them are godly accountants. Some of them are pastors. Some of them are evangelists. Some of them are in the graphic design world where they're working with very large, big name corporations, but their relationship to Jesus Christ is recognizable and is self-evident. I want to just tie this all together as we conclude. The reason why they are now a part of this future is because long ago, somebody took the time to invest in them. Friends, if you want to see a better culture 5, 10, 15 years from now, we have to start doing all that we can now to impact the future. And that means it starts with our kids. Do not come and tell me and complain to me about protesters and about a broken generation until you first tell me how you've invested into them. I can't do it anymore. I can't do it anymore. We're the church. We, we've taken on this personification where we believe our sole mission is to diagnose the problem. The problem's self-evident. You don't have to point it out. It's evident. We're called to serve as the body of Christ. You are a part of the body. I am a part of the body. And all of us are necessary. 
How do we prepare for the future? We get ready for the future by serving now. And today, I had planned on having some cards on the seats that gave you an invite to to serve. But here's what I want to do. I want to allow a week to go by because I don't want this to just be an emotional response. I'm asking you today, as you leave here today and you're saying, Pastor, I'm just not sure. Can you pray about it this week? Remember we talked about prayer. Wasn't that a good time? Let's do it. Pray this week. Consider how you serve. Serving is how you grow. Serving is how you bear fruit. Serving is how you grow closer to Jesus. When you're doing the work of Christ, he honors that and there will be evident fruit. You don't grow by being a consumer. Dieting should teach us that. It's like going to McDonald's and loading up and being like, I'm just going to grow. In one way you are. But as far as healthy and fit, you have to be what? Active. Over the next few weeks, we're going to be talking about what we are expecting God to do through and in this body of Christ. We're going to talk about the organization of this body and the empowerment of this body and discipleship strategies and outreach strategies. And and I just want to simply ask you to talk between spouses, households, whatever it may be. Over the next couple weeks, will you pray and consider Ask the question, God, what do you want me to do? And if you still need clarity and you don't know where to start, we have a list of needs here at the church that I'd be happy to talk to you about. Or we just need people. And here's, here's the reality. The way that we do serving here at the church is you have two week, a two-week trial to try it out. There's no strings attached. You have two weeks, and if you don't like it, we find another place to serve. But the worst thing that's going to happen is you're going to walk away with an answer. That's a pretty good risk. Well, pastor, I'm not sure if I fit in a kid's ministry. Try it out. If you don't like it, then you walk away with an answer. Pastor, I'm not sure about worship team. I just try it out. I want to challenge you. If you're here this morning, as a result, we've had a lot of growth in this body, and it would be foolish to, for me to assume that nobody's, nobody's here with kind of a whole heart, this great experience. I recognize that sometimes when we come into this place, we're carrying hurts with us, and sometimes our hurts can prohibit us from serving in the body of Christ. It's an answer that I'm encountered with um, probably on a monthly basis, talking to individuals and just saying, hey, you know, why don't you serve this? Well, I'm just kind of hurt from a certain situation or circumstance or a prior church experience, whatever it may be, and I want to challenge you this morning. um, Serve in a light manner, but serve nonetheless. Growing up, I was always into extreme sports and had a couple broken collarbones, bruised ribs, all that fun stuff. Talk to my parents sometime whenever they're here. I promise they'll, they'll share with you some interesting stories. But I know this from injuries, that if you aren't active and you're not working that injury out, it's going to hurt more whenever you do start moving and using it my point is this, is that if you're here this morning, you say, pastor, I kind of have some stuff going on spiritually. There's some spiritual hurts. Can I tell you, maybe don't jump all in, but jump in nonetheless. Start in the shallow end. That's fine. But sometimes we wait for our hurts to heal and God wants to heal your hurt in the motion of walking by faith. Some individuals are here this morning and you're waiting for the invite to serve. Here it is. Here's your invite. You're invited. Some of you might be ready to go and you're like, Pastor, where do I serve? Let's sign you up. I want to challenge you this morning, church, to pray and consider serving here at C3. It's what we're going to be talking about the next couple weeks as we reveal to the body of Christ what our 2021 strategic plan is. But there's a couple things that we have to understand first as we close. Would you stand with me? We've got to understand that we need to be in prayer. Prayer is spiritual warfare, man. If, you're, if you say, Pastor, prayer's kind of boring, you're not doing it right. I'm telling you now. 
as, as a former youth pastor, I've seen, I've seen teens who prayed prayers that scared the devil. I'm just saying. My junior hires, they scare us all, right? But they scare the devil with some of their prayers. We need to be in prayer. Church, as we head towards 2021, we have to have faith-filled expectancy recognizing that there is most likely a mountain that we have to go over in 2021, recognizing the way that culture is happening right now. It's a battle. I'm not denying that. I'm not asking you to deny what is so evidently right in front of you. I'm just asking you to recognize that God is bigger than the mountain, that God is bigger than whatever lies ahead, that he's bigger, that he has a plan to overcome it already. It's just a matter of us aligning with his plan. And I'm asking this body to serve. I'm asking you for the next week. Next week, we're going to have cards on the chairs for you to sign up. So in the meantime, I'm not looking for emotional responses this morning. I'm looking for spiritual responses because I know that that's what God is looking for. That's what he has his eyes on. So this week, would you be in prayer? with faith-filled expectancy. Would you join me with that? If so, can you just wave a hand towards me? If you're gonna join me with that, will you just lift a hand up high? Will you have faith-filled expectancy this week in prayer and consideration for what he wants you to do? Would you bow your heads with me? Father, it is a privilege to be your hands and feet. It is a privilege to be a part of what you're doing in the world around us. It is a privilege to be used by you Lord, help us as the body of Christ to not be like spiritual Eeyores. But help us to have faith-filled expectancy that the best is yet to come. That the best is ahead of us. The good old days were great and we appreciate them and we, have, we, we thank you for them and praise you for them. But we also recognize that you are also the God of tomorrow. So in advance, we thank you and praise you for what you're going to do in 2021. We thank you in advance for the signs and wonders and miracles that are going to take place in our nation in 2021. We thank you in advance for the lives that are going to experience healing and wholeness through this body of Christ. Now, Lord, we pray over the Church of the United States of America for such a time as this. May we rise up with boldness, love, and Holy Spirit empowerment. We want to be effective, Lord. So would you lead us and guide us, I ask. Help us to be the church that you have called us to be so that we might reach Fogelsville, so that we might reach Lehigh County, so that we might reach Pennsylvania, ultimately the nation, ultimately the world. Now, Lord, would you go with us? Lead us and guide us, I ask. In Jesus' precious and holy name. And everybody said, and everybody shouted with faith-filled expectancy. Everybody said, amen. God bless you as you go. This has been an audio recording from Crossroads Community Church. If you'd like to get in contact with us or learn more about us, you can follow us on social media at C3Lehigh or email us at info at c3lehigh.com. We'd love to hear from you.